Before we begin this week's episode of This Week in Wrestling, from Spoiler Free Wrestling, it feels appropriate, or it would feel inappropriate not to recognize the significance of current events going on in the in the world these days. But I also understand that you didn't tune into this podcast to talk about current events. You tuned in so we can talk about some wrestling. But it does feel appropriate to just quickly mention before this week's show, because of the significance of current events, that we should just say Black Lives Matter and our society has a lot of work to do to ensure that nobody feels threatened by police or anyone because of the color of their skin or their race or their gender, their nationality, their sexuality, or anything. Now let's move on to some pro wrestling. Welcome to Spoiler Free Wrestling, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Ian Carey, and we're going to be running down all the news that's making the headlines in the world of pro wrestling. And it's not often anymore, in fact, I can't remember the last time it happened, that Impact Wrestling has found itself in the headline position in terms of wrestling news, in terms of being the top story. But I think they've done that this week. Impact Wrestling, on Tuesday night, there was a short 30-second promo for their next pay-per-view, which will be on July 18th, Slammiversary. Be an empty arena show. We'll see if if Impact starts to use their talent, um, having wrestlers around ringside acting as fans. I would have to imagine that, uh, that they're going to start doing this too, now that it's the norm in the empty arena wrestling era that we are in. But Impact Wrestling put out this clip. And it's got a person in a chair. Could be EC3, we don't know. In a chair, watching a news clip about WWE releasing all of these wrestlers back in April. Now, the Slammiversary pay-per-view taking place on July 18th is very important because it's 90 days after all of those wrestlers got released. They'll be free to go wherever they want. They are able to show up on the pay-per-view. And so basically the idea here is that this pay-per-view on July 18th is going to be based around who shows up. And this has been one of the biggest draws in wrestling history the the promised surprise somebody new is coming to the promotion the roster is going to be shook up and impact impact has a good roster there's lots of great wrestlers on there but they've lost a few in i mean they lost a bunch of top talent to AEW when AEW started they lost the lucha bros they lost LAX. They lost, they've lost Brian Cage now. They've lost John Morrison. A lot of the wrestlers who have helped make this 2018 to 2020 period for Impact Wrestling, while, not, while definitely not the most watched period 
in Impact's history. While definitely not the most popular period in terms of uh, getting people to watch the show, a lot of people who follow Impact Wrestling say, hey, I actually enjoy the show now. And there's been precious few times in TNA slash Impact history where the shows have been well-reviewed. They may have been watched by a lot, but it didn't necessarily seem like a lot of those people watching Impact Wrestling were enjoying the show, even at the peak of its popularity. And TNA was once very popular. When TNA brought in Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff, and I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying this was a, a good time in their history, but a lot of people watched this show. They brought in 2.2 million viewers for that episode of Impact where they'd brought in Bischoff and Hogan and they went head-to-head with Raw on Monday nights. They recreated the Monday Night Wars and they brought in 2.2 million viewers. If they pulled in that rating this week in wrestling, they would have been the top-rated show in the United States by like 200,000 people. SmackDown is the top-rated show, top-rated pro wrestling show in the United States this week, and they did just under 2 million viewers. So people were willing to give TNA a chance. They did give TNA a chance, but over the weeks, months, years, a lot of those viewers were driven off for various reasons. And in my experience, through both just my experience and what I've heard others say, is a lot of people just gave up on TNA because there was a lot of times that the show didn't really make sense sometimes, didn't motivate you to watch the next week, didn't really give you any reason to keep following the show. Sometimes it maybe insulted your intelligence. It wasn't all bad. There was lots of good TNA stuff. But I don't think anybody can deny they drove off a lot of viewers for various reasons. Usually, storyline-wise, creative-wise, there were some things to just that were just hard to get behind. Those same complaints, however, don't exist about the current Impact Wrestling. I mean, some people might have them, but not so much. I've been following Impact Wrestling since Don Callis took over. And admittedly, I had fallen off of TNA for a bit. I checked back in to see all that Broken Hardy stuff, but I had fallen off quite a bit uh, over the years just be- for, for the same reasons that many other people stopped watching TNA. But I started watching when Don Callis, or started watching again when Don Callis took over because Don Callis, this is a guy who was the color commentator for ECW pay-per-views for years. He was the color commentator in New Japan for a little bit leading up to when he was hired at Impact. Doesn't seem to be doing that role anymore. Um, and so I've been watching since Don Callis took over, and the show's pretty good. The show is not the same. It's not the same type of wrestling promotion that it, that TNA wrestling was. It's totally different. The storylines are booked way in advance. 
So you don't get this week to week. There's not a lot of consistency that you would see in TNA. And what also happened a lot in late stage WCW or sometimes in any stage WCW. But those complaints that a lot of people had about TNA, not so much about impact. Now it's a much more cost effective show. It's a budgeted show, but they've lost a lot of, you know, wrestlers over the, over the last little bit to AEW John Morrison to WWE, you know, but now they've advertised that, that a bunch of these wrestlers that a lot of wrestling fans have said were underutilized, that at least some of these guys are going to show up at Slammiversary and we're not going to tell you who, but what they're banking on is that there's a bunch of people out there who are Rusev fans. And they want to check out whatever Rusev does next. And so if there's a chance Rusev is on Slammiversary, they might check that out. Or maybe there's fans of Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows and want to see if those guys are going to show up at Slammiversary and be a part of Impact, at least for a little bit. Now, Anderson and Gallows, I mean, they have such a history in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I can't imagine that they wouldn't be going back there at some point. But New Japan Pro Wrestling isn't throwing events right now. Now, that could change. They have a press conference for this Tuesday. So we could find out that they are going to be throwing events again real soon. But let's be, you know, honest here. They have gone months without bringing in any live gate revenue, which matters more for New Japan than it does for other promotions. Could Carl Anderson and Luke Gallo show up on this uh, pay-per-view? EC3 has put out a video, which seems to tease that he could be there. Aiden English, Michael Bennett, Maria Canellis. What Impact is saying is, we're going to freshen up our roster with some guys you know about, and they're going to show up at Slammiversary. And so maybe you should tune in. And they're going to get eyes on their product, eyes on their show. And some of those fans are probably going to like what they see and are probably going to stay fans of Impact Wrestling. And I think that's, that's great because there's a lot of good things happening in Impact Wrestling right now. If you're not familiar with, go, with what's going on there, well, right now, Tessa Blanchard is the world champion. Tessa Blanchard is stuck in Tijuana. And while wrestlers from... It's not clear if Tessa's going to be able to get in to any of the tapings. And so Impact is going to make an announcement about their world championship on Tuesday. Now, right now, Moose is the self-proclaimed TNA world champion. And Trey Miguel has just won a tournament to be the new number one contender for the title. Also going on in Impact. Sammy Callahan and Michael Elgin are feuding. And Sammy Callahan, if you've been following Impact for two years, the MVP of the promotion is Sammy Callahan. This guy has has been involved in some good storylines and matches over the next two years. And he's just starting a new program with Michael Elgin. He just finished one with Ken Shamrock. 
Willie Mack, who you might remember from Lucha Underground, briefly uh, in the NWA. He's the X-Division champ. Jordine Grace is the Knockouts champ. Taya Valkyrie and her, I believe, are heading into a uh, rivalry over that title. The North, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander are the tag team champions. They do some entertaining stuff on the show as well. So Impact Wrestling is maybe a promotion you might want to put uh, more on your radar, back on your radar if they aren't already. And it does seem like Slammiversary could be the start of a new chapter for the promotion. And we might see a bit of a surge in popularity for them as well. And I think that would be just fine. All right, the next thing to talk about here, poor Jinder Mahal. Jinder has been hindered. He announced on Instagram recently that he has had to go under the knife again for some knee surgery. There is no timetable for his return, but this is a this is a blow for the modern day Maharaja. Jinder Mahal, uh, he had been out since last June. And it's June again, you know. So he'd been out for over 10 months when he returned on the April 27th episode of Raw. And I think he beat like Akira Tozawa in sort of a bit of a squash match there. Uh, And then for two weeks, he wrestled on main event and he beat Akira Tozawa once more on that show. He beat somebody else on the other show. So he came in, did three matches, one of them on Raw, and then there was no time allotted to him on the next six hours of WWE Raw that aired. And now he's gone back under the knife for some knee surgery. So a bit of a blow for him. We'll see what's next uh, for him when he comes back. I mean, who knows how long he's going to be out for. But it's always like when you're gone for a while and then you come back, that's a big opportunity for a wrestler. You know, the fans have missed you. Nobody remembers that you may have lost your last 30 matches before you got injured. You're back. You're new. You're fresh. You can go into some fun storylines and do something. But he came back. He was back for three weeks and had to go back under the knife again. What a blow for Jinder Mahal. Hopefully he'll be back soon. And it does sort of take you back to his WWE championship reign. What an interesting title reign he had. Because they had, I mean, they made him the champion just like a couple of months after he had done nothing at that year's WrestleMania. Like the decision to make him the champion seemed to come out of nowhere. And then they gave him a bunch of wins and he won the title held it for, you know, like a fairly lengthy title reign. Then he lost it just before Survivor Series to AJ Styles. And I guess the idea here was that because there's so many people in India and a lot of the social media views are in India, they have TV deals in India. I don't think, did they ever actually do a show in India? They put, they built so much around Jinder Mahal as this, big hero to the Indian people. 
But then they had him cheat and cheat in all of his matches to win, or he'd win in a fluky manner. So how do you create like a like a national icon when they're winning in the fashion that Jinder Mahal did? Like how like how did they expect the fan base to get behind this guy? I mean, it was obvious like they were having him cheat his way to victories or fluke into victories, things like that. But regardless. And it really took Jinder Mahal from this guy who had been nothing but a, you know, he'd been in 3MB. He was fired. He was brought back. Wasn't, they were doing nothing with him. And then all of a sudden it was like, hmm, do we have any Indian superstars? It's like, well, Jinder Mahal, he's from Canada, but his background is in India. And he was put in the spot. I don't think it worked out like they wanted it to, but hey, you can never take it away from Jinder Mahal that he is a former WWE champion. But he's also back on the injured list and he'll be out of action for a while. So next up, this is a bit of an interesting story. The state of Maryland, their athletic commission, has fined Ring of Honor $4,000 for the Bully Ray versus Mark Haskins match at Final Battle in December, which was held in Baltimore at the UMBC Event Center. And just before we get into why the Maryland Athletic Commission fined Ring of Honor, let's go back a few months. The state of Maryland, or their athletic commission, has previously fined AEW $10,000 for the John Moxley versus Kenny Omega lights out match at full gear, which was also held in Baltimore. Now, technically in storyline, it was a lights out match. So I don't know why the athletic commission is getting involved. This wasn't a sanctioned match, but regardless, they, they find uh, AEW $10,000 And it's because the state of Maryland's athletic commission prohibits, and I'm reading here, it prohibits unsportsmanlike or physically dangerous conduct and deliberately lacerating oneself or one's opponent. So you can't bleed on purpose in Maryland without you being fined by the commission. And the commission put out a statement basically saying, we're doing this to deter others from engaging in the same type of behavior. And so now with Bully Ray and Mark Haskins, the fine was levied because uh, they used some weapons. I think one of them, uh, hold, hold on here. Okay, so I'm reading here now from the Baltimore Sun article, and there is a link to this on the Spoiler Free Wrestling page with this podcast on it. So this is what the commission said they levied the fine for. During the match, Mr. LaMonico, who is Bully Ray, lifted Mr. Haskins and threw him onto the table, which held the plywood barbed wire apparatus. The impact of Mr. Haskins against the plywood barbed wire apparatus and table caused the table to break in half, and Mr. Haskins suffered lacerations due to coming into contact with the barbed wire. Oh, now this is apparently something that's long-standing Maryland. You know, obviously, 
I mean, Maryland, Baltimore has been a great wrestling town for a long time. Ring of Honor's, they're pretty much their home base is Baltimore. So now we have this thing where in the span of a, a few months, they have levied fines against two promotions for having matches that were deemed too violent, too risky to the performers, and involved um, bleeding on purpose. But it's not like these fines are uh, like really that prevent. Like, what is a four thousand dollar fine? I mean, sure, I I would not want to pay a four thousand dollar fine. But if you're running a business and you're like, hey, you know, should we have this big street fight between Bully Ray and Mark Haskins at Final Battle? Is somebody going to go? Oh no, we can't do that. It would cost us four thousand dollars. You know, I mean, it's, it's not, <laughs> but then, uh, in the case of Kenny Omega and John Moxley, I mean, this lights out match, that was really one of the more violent wrestling matches that there's been in the last little while. I mean, John Moxley loves his death matches. Evidently, Kenny Omega is not opposed to wrestling in them either. So... A lot of people actually said that they found that match to be a little bit too much. I thought it was great. But then again, I love everything that both Kenny Omega and John Moxley too. And I think there's a lot of people out there like that. But now it's it's definitely the law has been laid down in Maryland. You can't do anything too dangerous and you can't make yourself or your opponent bleed. Another thing I wanted to talk about this week is some comments that Triple H made to Metro UK. It's a website there in the UK, in case you were having trouble following that. And they were talking about cinematic matches. And we've got some quotes from Triple H. Sort of what he was asked leading into the quotes doesn't doesn't appear <laughs> in the article sometimes, but we've got some quotes from Triple H about um, cinematic matches. And some of the answers he gave sort of insinuate that he was asked about Matt Hardy having invented cinematic matches, which is, of course, not true. And Triple H pointed out that that's not true, but he did recognize the very significant impact that Matt Hardy has had on this genre of pro wrestling, which has existed for decades, but has sort of been really thrust into the spotlight in the empty arena wrestling era. Because without fans around, the idea of having a cinematic match is much more appealing. Like, one of the reasons you didn't see a lot of cinematic matches, or, or you haven't seen a lot of cinematic matches you know, like why they are not as frequent as they are now is because if you're not doing them in front of the fans, the live audience is a little like, hey, you know, we came to see the show and now we're watching it on TV like we do every week. But in the empty arena uh, era, it just makes sense to have a boneyard match. Why wouldn't you have a Firefly Funhouse match? Why wouldn't you? But a lot of people when watching, say, like, the Boneyard match, have gone, oh, this is Matt Hardy 
type stuff. And there's no doubt about it. Matt Hardy took it to another level. I mean, he started the the Broken Hardy universe. Obviously, it's not just Matt Hardy. It's you know, Jeremy Borash, Jeff Hardy, the whole Hardy family. You know, Rebby Hardy and, and uh, King Maxwell and all them. And those were that broken universe was so popular. I mean, that was the most popular thing in wrestling in 2016. It really was. And it did get people saying, hey, this is a whole new genre of pro wrestling. But Lucha Underground also did this too. Lucha Underground really was doing cinematic style stuff at that time too. I think. When was Lucha Underground away or around? Yeah, Lucha Underground started 2014. So they, they I mean, Lucha Underground. Man, did they ever have an original take on pro wrestling. It was really Lucha Underground. I don't think I ever got to the third season, but man, that, I mean, that first season was incredible. That second season I thought was really good too. And then it started to, I mean, they had to change things around. They didn't know if they were going to continue as a show and then they were continued as a show and things got weird. But the whole concept where it's like, let's take pro wrestling, but let's, Let's take it to a whole other, um, uh, you know, let's, let's add these science fiction and fantasy elements to it. Let's have characters that die. And now you see that all the, I mean, impact wrestling has sort of continued with this cinematic stuff ever since Matt Hardy, they have the undead realm where Rosemary and James Mitchell and Havoc and formerly the bunny. I mean, the bunny got killed in the undead realm before heading to AEW. <laughs> they killed her off. Um, so anyway, so like, this is a new thing that's kind of happening in wrestling. I mean, not new. Because there have been matches filmed like movies for decades. And that's sort of what Triple H says in this article for, for Metro. So I want to read through some of the quotes that Triple H here had to say uh, about cinematic matches. And he talks about uh, Jeremy Borash, who now is with WWE. And Triple H talks about how much he enjoys working with Jeremy Borash. And of course, Borash largely credited with being one of the driving forces behind the scenes of the Broken Hardy universe in TNA, in Impact, and... but also in the little bit that they did do in that world in WWE. It wasn't much, but they did do some. And so here's what Triple H uh, said about Jeremy Borash to Metro UK. So this quote, we don't get in the article, we don't get to know what the question Triple H was asked when he gave this answer, but he said, that's not to negate the Matt Hardy, Jeremy Borash thing that you mentioned. And I believe what he's referring to is the person asked him about Matt Hardy and Jeremy Borash sort of creating this genre. So Triple H continued, that took it to another level. There's all steps to this, but to say it all started there, to me, I'd say is not accurate. And earlier in the interview, he said, but people were doing that 20 years ago. Rock and Mick Foley, Halftime Heat, 
Austin and Booker in the grocery store. There's so many of those things over the years that have happened. Did they do a great job taking that to another level? Absolutely. Jeremy's an incredible talent. Just talking about Jeremy Borash here. Jeremy's an incredible talent with an eye for storytelling and an eye for image and everything like that. Man, I can't tell you how much I enjoy working with him. And I wonder if he's talking about cinematic matches right now because we've got two WWE pay-per-views coming up in the next two weeks. We've got tomorrow night, as I'm recording this, we've got the In Your House pay-per-view. I love that they're bringing back In Your House. And it just makes so much sense because so many of us are stuck inside our houses. And so it sounds like we're going to get a real cinematic match at the In Your House pay-per-view. And that sort of brings, uh, brings us to the point where I'd like to run down the lineup for NXT In Your House. All right, NXT In Your House, taking place June 7th. Tomorrow, as I record this, I'm not going to spend too much time on this because I know some of you will be listening to this after this show has taken place. But for those of you who got on the ball and listened to this show very quickly after it was released, here's the lineup and a little bit of thoughts about some of these matches here that we're going to see in your house. And just before we say anything else, that driveway garage setup better be there. Better be there on Sunday because it's not truly in your house without that stage setup. So there's just six matches, which I think might show that. Remember, Money in the Bank was like under three hours. So I think the WWE really doesn't want to have long shows here. I mean, their pay per views are now less time than Raw. Maybe they're noticing that Raw's ratings are declining a little bit, and that three hours might be a reason. We'll get into the ratings in this next section. But okay, so starting things off, we got a six woman tag team match. We got Mia Yim, Shotzi Blackheart, and Tegan Knox going up against Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez. The thing that jumps out to me about this match is how much Shotzi Blackheart appears to be coming a player in this division. She's riding around in tanks. She's getting vignettes. She's, you know, doing well. I think she lost to Raquel Gonzalez there. You know, she's winning matches. She's, or, and if she's not winning matches, she's losing when the heel does some underhanded tactics. But it really feels like Shotzi Blackheart is somebody who's about to catch fire in the NXT women's division. She had a cup of coffee in Impact Wrestling. Um, just before she, she signed with WWE. And I could tell then I was like, this is a different type of cat as John Moxley likes to say about himself. And I think she stands out and I think she's somebody who could be really in the top mix of things in the NXT women's division in the not too distant future. I expect, well, I don't expect I'm actually kind of hoping that she'll be the star in this match, but we'll see. Cause there's a lot of other women in this match who could be going up the rankings in quick succession. Candice LeRae obviously is someone who 
is a featured part of NXT storylines. Same with Dakota Kai and her bodyguard, Raquel Gonzalez. Tegan Knox feels like someone who they've never really pulled the trigger on yet, but that could be coming. Mia Yim, you know, Mia Yim, I enjoy her wrestling, I guess is what I want to say about Mia Yim right now. Another match, we've got Tommaso Ciampa versus Karrion Cross, And this is certainly interesting. Because Tommaso Ciampa is now sort of out of the NXT title picture. And he would seem to need a big win to get back in that title picture. But Karrion Cross has come in. He's destroyed people in squash matches. He's got a ring entrance, which I feel Triple H's fingerprint all over. It sounds like NXT really has something with Karrion Cross, but they already have something with Tommaso Ciampa. It feels like both of these guys need a big win. Not that either one of them couldn't still do well if they took a loss on In Your House, but this is a very interesting match. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens here. Is Karrion Cross just going to run through Tommaso Ciampa like he's the big new monster in NXT? This is a big match. He's just had squash matches, and now he's going in there against one of the wrestlers most associated with NXT. With one of the, I, I mean, the arguably the great one, arguably one of the greatest NXT champions there's ever been. That's a big match there. Tomorrow night, Tommaso Ciampa versus Karrion Cross. Also, we got Finn Balor versus Damian Priest. It's an interesting match there, too. Because Finn Balor, he's never really been in the NXT title picture since he returned. Damian Priest has sort of had all these matches with Dominic Dijakovic and Keith Lee. And always seems like he's maybe coming up a, a little short. Whoever wins that match between Finn Balor and Damian Priest, just like whoever wins between Ciampa and Cross, you would have to see them in line for a title shot, be it against the North American title, or, or be it against the North American champion, or against the NXT champion. Very, very interesting match there. Then for the NXT North American Championship, we got Keith Lee versus Johnny Gargano. And this has to be the biggest test to Keith Lee's North American title reign thus far. Johnny Gargano, former NXT champion. Big part of storylines, Johnny Gargano. A lot on the line in that match. Well, the NXT North American Championship on the line in that match. The most important title defense thus far for Keith Lee. The Women's Championship, triple threat match, Charlotte Flair defending against Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai. These are three of the best women's wrestlers going today. No doubt about it. They're the top three wrestlers in this division. Top three, they're three of the top wrestlers in the world. Charlotte Flair, a lot of people like to, to you know, shit on Charlotte Flair, but... Charlotte Flair is Charlotte Flair. And for some reason, that seems to be uh, all that I feel I need to say to describe Charlotte Flair. 
I guess a, a lot of people give Charlotte Flair uh, slack just because she's clearly a chosen one in WWE. She'll be a top star in WWE until she retires. That's just what she is in the WWE universe. And over the course of her dominance in WWE, she's defeated a lot of uh, people that she's defeated a lot of wrestlers. uh, And those wrestlers fans ended up getting really upset at how often Charlotte Flair wins championships, wins matches, etc. But it should be interesting to see what happens here. Is Charlotte Flair going to continue as the NXT Women's Champion? How long did they plan for her to be the champion for? Is that belt going back on Ripley? Is it going on Io Shirai for the first time? We'll find out at In Your House. But the match I really want to talk about is the main event. And it is the last chance backlot brawl for the NXT Championship. And I love this because I have compared Velveteen Dream to Goldust for so, so long. And it's never more apparent than him challenging Adam Cole to a backlot brawl. Of course, Goldust, Roddy Piper, the Hollywood backlot brawl. One of, I mean, talk about cinematic matches. Talk about cinematic matches. I mean, there were empty arena matches before that. There was matches filmed like movies before that, but... When a lot of wrestling fans, if you ask a lot of wrestling fans, think back to the first cinematic match you've ever seen. A lot of fans will say, Hollywood backlot brawl, Roddy Piper, Goldust. That was a big WrestleMania moment. And now we've got Adam Cole defending the NXT Championship against Velveteen Dream. And if Dream loses, he can never challenge for the title again while Cole is still champion. So that brings a lot of things into play. You know, if Velveteen Dream loses, does that mean he goes to either Raw or SmackDown? Maybe. Does it mean Velveteen Dream is going to win the NXT Championship? Maybe. Adam Cole's now been NXT Champion for over a year. Is Velveteen Dream going to end that title reign in the last chance backlot brawl at NXT in your house? And just before we go for this week, let's talk about the ratings in the world of wrestling right now. I think I mentioned earlier in the show that WWE SmackDown is currently the most watched program in pro wrestling in the United States these days. And we talked about how when TNA Wrestling went to Monday night that one week, They averaged 2.2 million viewers for that episode. And if they had done that this week, they would have been the most watched program in all of wrestling. Instead, the most watched program was WWE SmackDown. And they brought in 1.935 million viewers and did a 0.5 rating in the key demo. The key demo is 18 to 49 year olds, which is evidently super important to advertisers and is, uh, what I've heard is it's considered more important than the actual amount of viewers. Because they really want viewers in these key demos. 
So SmackDown brought in 1.935 million. That's down from what it's done in the last few weeks. Uh, that 0.5 that they do in the key demo, that's the same rating they've done for the last three weeks. On the May 29th episode, they did 2.044 million viewers. And the week before that, they did 2.042 million viewers. So down a little bit this week, uh, staying steady in that key demo. Now we go to Raw. So Raw is the second most watched uh, program, uh, wrestling program in the United States right now. And on June uh, 1st, they brought in 1.73 million viewers. So they would have gotten destroyed by TNA Impact. <laughs> um, that TNA impact that went on Monday nights. Uh, so they did 1.73 million viewers and a 0.49 in the key demo. And so even though they're down a little bit, like they're below SmackDown, they do about the same in that key demo range, which is kind of interesting. Uh, so that number is sort of in line with what they've been doing. On May 25th, uh, they did 1.735 million. On May 18th, they did 1.757 million viewers. But the trend, obviously, in the empty arena, global pandemic era, Raw is really down. Um, now, we go to AEW Dynamite, which is the third most watched wrestling program in the United States. And on the June 3rd episode... They did 730,000 viewers and a 0.29 in the key demo. And we'll compare that to the fourth most watched wrestling program in the United States, which is NXT, uh, also on Wednesday night. So on June 3rd, uh, they did 715,000 viewers and a 0.2 in the key demo. So they trailed AEW by 15,000 viewers and by 0.09 in the key demo this week. So AEW takes the Wednesday Night War again for June 3rd. Now the AEW Dynamite rating was down a little bit from the May 27th episode, which did 827,000 viewers and a 0.32 in the key demo. That was the first episode after the last pay-per-view. Uh, they did a good... Uh, number there. And then on May 20th, however, they were at 701,000 viewers and a 0.26 in the key demo. So the June 3rd number up from the go home show for the last pay-per-view NXT. So, uh, that was the go home show for them for in your house. Uh, as I mentioned, 715,000 viewers, 0.2 in the key demo that is down from what they did on May 27th, which was 731,000 viewers and a 0.19 in the key demo. And that was way better than what they did on May 20th, which was 592,000 viewers and a 0.13 in the key demo. Those are your recent ratings in the world of pro wrestling. And this has been This Week in Wrestling from Spoiler Free Wrestling. I've been Ian Carey. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to check out SpoilerFreeWrestling.com, SPFWrestling.com. It's the same website. Uh, thanks for supporting us as always. We'll talk to you again next week. 